Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Mushtaq here. I am one of the co-editors from The Real Champs. Thank you for joining us wherever you may be in the world, whatever time it is. Uh, we're finally getting our podcast back up and running. Of course, it's been a very busy summer, so we'd like to just jump right into things. I have some of our awesome contributors here, Christopher and Hassan. Boys, I'll just let you introduce yourselves to the audience. Christopher, if you'd like to go first, and then Hassan, and we'll just get into it. Yeah. Hello, my name is Christopher, and my Twitter handle is K underscore MC06. My name is Hassan Karim, or Hassan Karim, whatever you want to call me, whatever is easiest. Uh, my Twitter handle is the Hassan Karim. All right, boys, thanks for the intros. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, our podcast today is split up into three segments. We're going to be talking about around the Bernabeu, some housekeeping issues. Of course, a lot's happened with Zidane leaving. Our second segment is going to be a lot about what Real Madrid will focus on, what the 2018-19 goals for the season are. And of course, the big thing, the third segment will be the real deal. Um, a lot of what's happening in the transfer window and how that has affected us and what will happen going forward. Just to start off, of course, the biggest thing happening around the Bernabeu is Lopetegui leaving, rather, Lopetegui coming into Real Madrid and Zidane leaving. Of course, as we know, he's had a history at Porto. He was a Spanish national manager, um, sacked just a day and a half, literally, before the 2018 World Cup. Uh, that in and of itself could be a whole other podcast boys what are your thoughts on Lopetegui um and then we'll go into some you know how he is tactically and other uh nitty-gritty issues like that also your thoughts Lopetegui do you like him hate him happy with the signing I'm quite happy with it to be honest I thought it was a wild card don't get me wrong um and I don't think anybody saw saw it coming he wasn't listed on any sites as a potential candidate uh, wasn't on any of the bookmakers' websites, so like the way Perez pulled it off was quite cool. To be fair, uh, obviously the whole politics situation with him getting sacked by Spain and stuff is a bit stupid. That's what you get when you got an Atletico Madrid fan at the, the helm of your uh, federation. But let's not get into that. Um, but again, no, I think he's a perfect signing. I think his link with the Spanish side would be perfect for us, considering we are such a, a strong Spanish core. Um, I think it would be like Casemiro because he's got previous experience with him. Uh, I'm happy with it. Christopher, what are your thoughts? Did you uh, Were you too surprised by the signing of Lopetegui or were you hoping for somebody a little different, maybe even a Carlo Ancelotti reunion had he not signed with Napoli beforehand? No, I, I was surprised by the sign, definitely, but once, kind of, once it settled in, it was quite pleased with it. I didn't think he was coming because he had just signed a new contract with Spain. He was there. To, he was supposed to be there till 2020. So I was quite surprised to see him jump the boat. Um, oh, no, he's probably when you look at it, when you add him to the kind of managerial selection, he was probably one of the better choices. I mean, Ancelotti would have been decent, but his kind of spell at Bayern makes you wonder. You know, is he still the same man that left Madrid a couple of years ago? Uh, I wasn't keen on Sarri at all. Conte. Well, we could have gotten Conte if Chelsea hadn't messed around with his departure. Um, and then no one else really stood to me. But no, I, was, I think it, it's, just, it's a move that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's got so much experience with the people, with the squad in terms of there were six Spanish players in his uh, World Cup squad. And he's worked with them for the last two years. And, you know, he's got a great track record with Isco and with Ronaldo leaving we'll get into that later but with Ronaldo leaving we kind of want the the likes of Isco and Asensio and Tobias to kind of step up now and he's exactly the type of man you want to to do that job so yeah I was pretty pleased with it Fair point and I, I definitely like that what you said about you know what he's done with Spain as many of us know who follow the Spanish national team during his reign there with uh, the Spanish national team he didn't lose a game and I believe that was 22 games if I'm if I'm in not, uh, yeah it was yeah I think right it was 19 yeah oh 19 games excuse me and I you know that's pretty incredible and like you said he brings on the likes of Isco Asensio and Danny Ceballos because he has that good relationship with him whereas one could say that over Zinedine Zidane's tenor he didn't 
So back to just the differences between the manager. Austin, if you want to take a crack at it first, how does Lopetegui differ from Zidane personality-wise and also tactically, um, you know, on the pitch and his game formation, how he likes to play things out? Well, I think obviously in terms of personality-wise, they have complete stark differences in in my eyes, at least. Anyway, Zidane's obviously kind of like that cool X-factor kind of guy. Uh, he just oozes charisma. He's just he is just that kind of person. Whereas Lopetegui, you sort of look at him, you think he seems more of a. I hate to use the cliche term of a football manager in this in this scenario. Um, whereas obviously Zidane got called. I hate to say, but a cheerleader through his entire tenure, which. It's sort of a roundabout way of addressing what he was. Um, but in terms of how he differs tactically from his, it's quite different. If you look at the way Spain played under him, he, he threw out so many different formations. It was crazy. Throughout three five two, he threw out a four two three one and a four three three. Uh, and they played some seriously fluid football as well. I mean, I know it was a friendly, but if you look at when they dismantled Argentina. That was, you know, it was incredible football to watch, especially, you know, Isco, play, Isco and uh, David Silva playing as inverted wingers with, you know, complete pure license to roam. You can imagine what you could do with someone, you know, like an Essential and an Isco playing in that role or even Ceballos playing in that role. So it's, it's exciting times, I think. Christopher, what are your thoughts on uh, on Lepetegui and his differences tactically from Zinedine Zidane? Do you think it will benefit this squad having him here, or do you think they'll take some time to adjust to the Lopetegui system? You know, I on the you know you'd expect since there's so many Spanish players there that they'd adjust right away, but kind of with international football and club football they're kind of two very different things so there could be kind of a transition period and I did a bit I did an article on his time at Porto and one of the things one of the main complaints that I found with Porto fans was the fact that it took Lopetegui a long time to find his first starting 11 some of them actually said that he never did find his first starting 11 at Porto he was uh, he got the nickname Lotto Teggy because no one knew what lineup he'd throw out week from week hope that since like I said so many Spanish players there he'd know but we don't know I'd also have to say he's definitely not as cool as Zidane if you look at it I don't know if you two have seen it but there's pictures of him at the first training session and he's just yeah he's a complete mess he's wearing these sunglasses it just it's hilarious it's well worth looking up on Twitter if you can find them it's very very funny it's almost Luis yeah, Enrique like. <laughs> sorry Hassan go ahead it's almost Luis Enrique like Hassan the image he literally it's almost like it's like Luis Enrique 2 all over again yeah, yeah, he he just kind of looks like you know your your weekend you know uh, weekend as we call it here in America, North America <laughs> house league yeah kind of soccer dad just he trying to fill in the role. He looks like he's on holidays in Spain, you know, and he just yeah. managed to get the Madrid job off somehow. You know that might not be love, Peggy. We should check. <laughs> Definitely. Um, question for you both, uh, Christopher. I'll let you take a crack at it first. Um, you had mentioned a little bit about. Uh, you know, a lot of the players having played with him at the Spanish national team. And you said in your article that you had pointed out that the Porto fans were always very up in the air because they weren't too sure about what Lopetegui is going to do. This being a shock um, signing by Florentino Perez as a manager, do you think that Lopetegui is a bit of a, a filler, kind of like the the guy that they can use as a scapegoat if a season or two doesn't go to plan, and that way they can just move on from it right away? I mean, I think it's safe to say we all knew right from the get-go that this Cristiano Ronaldo fiasco would, would you know, could take a turn for the worse. So was Florentino Perez planning for Ronaldo to leave and stealing a manager who he knows is somewhat dispensable in picking him? Yeah, I think he's gotten the best of both worlds. So Lope, there's plenty of reason to believe that Lopetegui will see, succeed at Madrid. But at the same time, if he doesn't, he's an easier manager to dispense. But he's not like Zidane who had... He, didn't, he doesn't have the pulling power in terms of... he. Isn't he wasn't a star player? He's not a legend at Madrid. He's kind of he's coming in. He was a favorite for the manager job anyway. So he's just he's coming in on a shock. And if he succeeds, that's great. But if he fails, he's an easier manager to dispense with than the other 
candidates, definitely. Hassan, do you agree with Christopher's point? Do you think that it is kind of like a great if he does, eh, if he doesn't situation with Lopetegui? Yeah, I think definitely it is because obviously he's not as big a name as, uh, you know, Zidane or Ancelotti, for example. So if it does go awry, you can definitely just dismiss him. I don't think many people are batting either. I mean, before he went to Spain, he had an agreement with Wolves. So I think that says a lot about his sort of name prowess. But if it does work out, then I think, you know, Madrid will have a large period of success on their hands. Awesome. Um, the last question for the segment, unless you boys would like to throw in something just before we wrap this up about uh, Lopetegui signing. Christopher, I know you are a huge, huge fan of Lucas Vasquez. And to all the listeners, if you don't know that, go follow Christopher's Twitter because Lucas Vasquez is like a prophet for Christopher. Um, I can say I definitely enjoy Lucas as well. But from a psychological point of view, um, every manager, every human being has favorites has a bias and will pick slides. Do you think Lopetegui's relationship with six, now seven players with Ariazola coming in to the squad, do you think that relationship at the Spanish national team will impact his judgment in squad selection or match selection uh, with Real Madrid? Yeah, I don't think so, no. I mean, as much as I love Vasquez, I imagine he's not going to get as much playing time as he did under Zidane last season. I imagine he's going to go back to that rotation role he had the season beforehand. Um, he's, I think, has said it there a little while. He's worked with Casemiro before. I don't think he's, you know, he knows talent when he sees it, and I'm most definitely certain he's not going to drop Kroos or Modric. I think he might like what Benzema brings to the team if Benzema's still around he's linked with Napoli but I think he might like what Benzema brings to the team in terms that he's not just a out and out forward he kind of connects play he's very much Lopetegui's type of player in terms that he drops back he can connect up with other players in midfield and he rotates the ball he's a nice player for Lopetegui there um, no I can't really think of anyone who's going to suffer for it really Hassan um, Isco, during the last international break before the World Cup, of course, yeah. uh, he's come out a couple of times and said some pretty surprising things, saying that he's enjoyed his time more with the Spanish national team. Uh, he likes playing under Lopetegui. Of course, in the media, everything is blown out of proportion. Things are, you know, we see things that are there that aren't necessarily there. But that's just one example of a Spanish national team player benefiting from that relationship or rather could benefit from that relationship do you agree with uh with christopher do you think he can keep the two worlds apart and as he uh you know injures on his next journey i guess yeah i think so i mean again like i mentioned earlier and chris reiterated he's worked with casemiro before and that's when casemiro really emerged as a player as well and one of the reasons we brought him back from his spell at porto was because of the work he's he's he'd put in under Lopetegui sorry um, so I think he should be able to keep that, that world apart and I think the fact that he has such a strong sort of bond with a lot of the core players you know like like Ramos and etc um, I think it'll, it'll only be beneficial uh, plus who knows his, his man management might be better than we, we can see we never know totally agree I, I guess we we shall see because all we know from his his uh club managerial coaching as of recent history is his time with Porto. Boys, anything else to add to this Lopetegui signing? Thoughts? Concerns? I think one He needs to start to... dressing better. Yeah, there's definitely that. I, I do agree with that. He definitely needs to start dressing better. Uh, the other thing well, he is isn't one of the, the fashion capitals of the world so maybe one of us... Call him Zidane get that jacket off him. <laughs> yeah, no, Zidane had a lot of swagger to be fair when you looked at him on the dress on the, on the, on the uh, touchline. He always had these perfectly fitted suits and he had his little pea coat. He was perfect. And he had his, yeah, his head was shined perfectly. That's another thing. You might need to shave his head. The bald beauty that is in it. Yeah, yeah the bald cut oh. doesn't really work for me, I must admit. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, obviously, if Porto was his first actual managerial job, I think, which is a lot, what a lot of people are forgetting as well. Um, so you could say that maybe, he, given more time, he may have been a bit more successful as he sort of got his feet wet, if you will. 
Fair enough. I think uh, I think we're good with the Lopetegui situation. We'll all see how that plays out. Um, hopefully, you know his relationship with the Spanish national team players doesn't affect him at Madrid. Both of you said it wouldn't. I I agree with you. I at least just hope it doesn't. I think the key thing from this segment is that we need to get him a stylist and soon. Yeah. Hopefully, Zidane can link up with him. Just don't send him to the same hairdresser as Bale because that clearly didn't work. Yeah. Not not. At all. I think the issue is Bale hasn't gone to the hairstylist. Yeah. That's that's the real problem there. Let's get into segment number two, which is our 2018-19 goals for the season. As we know, a lot's changed in our squad. We have a new manager. Um, domestically, Real Madrid has not been all that great, uh, you know, in La Liga or Copa del Rey in the last decade or so. Uh, Hassan, you and I discussed this a, a couple days ago. Yeah. Real Madrid has won two La Ligas in the last 10 years. That's if, correct, I got, yeah. if I remember yeah. that correct, the last right? 10 years, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, pretty abysmal, to say the least, especially for a club of our caliber. Uh, Christopher, take this on first. How do you think Real Madrid will fare in competitions next season? And what do you think should be the focus on? I mean, next season we are, you know, we're our name is in the title, or our name is in the race for five titles. Uh, you know, some of them world titles, domestic, continental. But what do you think should be the true focus out of the big three titles? I'd, I'd like to win the league, but I think the priority for the club, and I'm fully behind it, is probably winning another Champions League. I don't, I'd, like I said, I'd two, like you said, two league titles in 10 years is awful it's an awful record but i honestly don't think the club is going to be too bothered by it until uh until barcelona get a bit closer um i think the club just loves the champions league and to win a fourth title would be incredible but to win it in madrid at the wanda would just be it'd be (laughs) just be next level so i don't think they're going to be able to pass it up um I mean, there's there's depth there to win the league. It's just it depends on how Lopetegui takes. Like another kind of tidbit from Porsche, he was a man. Well, the fans noticed that he was a manager who set up well for cup competitions, but not so much for the league. Mm-hmm. Um, he mainly that was mainly his style, and it, it's well worth reading the article. But basically, his style clashed with the way Portuguese football ran. So he just didn't do well in the league, whereas the cup competitions he managed much better because there was a, you know, it's just, it's a different ball game. It's knockout football. So you have to go for it if you want to win it. Um, it could, that could be different. I mean, he has the depth there to challenge for both. Uh, if he takes well, no, we sh- there's no reason why we shouldn't expect him to go for both the league and the Champions League. Uh, Hassan, Christopher says Champions League is not necessarily his uh, what he would make the priority but what he thinks the club will make a priority we obviously have an insane love affair with this competition 13 titles uh, you know undisputedly the best in the continent and the Champions League uh, do you think that the Champions League will be the priority again and if so kind of one of my other questions but let's just get into it now is it even possible at this point to win a fourth consecutive Champions League I mean no, many people didn't think three would be possible in the modern era yeah. but is it kind of like anything can happen at this point I definitely think so yeah I mean if Croatia can make a World Cup final I think anything is possible in the world of football to be honest with you um, do I think they'll set up for another Champions League don't surprise wouldn't surprise me at all if that were to happen it is Florentino Perez we're talking about I think he probably loves the Champions League more than he loves his wife and his children <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if we set up for that. But plus, the other thing is, in his first season, Lopetegui took Porto to the quarterfinals in his first attempt. So, okay, yeah, he suffered the heaviest defeat in the club's history, albeit as well. But I still think that's a pretty impressive thing to put down that you you reached the quarterfinals on your first try. Yeah, I just want to say again that there's depth there to win both. It's just a case of if we go, if the club is where it was last January or February. And push comes to shove, they have to choose one. It'll always be the Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. I also, I think the Bayern loss that was six-one or something. I mean, it was it. The manner of it was awful, but 
losing to Bayern at the Allianz isn't something that is strange to any club apart from Madrid in recent years. Everyone goes to Bayern, should be going to Bayern expecting Especially for the war. Over. Yeah, it's it's not an easy place to win, which is why it's incredible that we've won what we've won like three or four games on the bounce there. I think we're actually undefeated though at the moment, like in the last so many. Yeah, we've games. won we've won seven games in a row against them, which is just crazy considering they caused us so much trouble in the past, like I mean, in the early years of the Champions League. Yeah, do I need to say any more about 2012? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Christopher, you've kind of mentioned the, you know, like Real Madrid having the depth to do it. Hassan, you agree that anything is possible. Croatia has made no, a World Cup final. Now, without getting too much into personnel and not trying to dabble in, uh, in the transfer rumors, there was a point where many people saw Real Madrid as the A squad, B squad kind of thing kind of team kind of gig that Zidane had going on uh, do you think that that's something that Lopetegui would do in order to have that success amongst all the competitions and then I guess kind of decide you know which ring to toss our hat in come January or February I don't think it'd be as prominent as it was with Zidane where you'll have like one game where an entirely different squad I think he'll rotate players as and when I don't think he'll rotate pretty much an entire squad like Zidane used to do. Yeah, I kind of agree, but for different reasons. I think he doesn't have the depth in certain areas to do an A team, B team. Just getting back into into things. Uh, curious about what both of you think. In 10 days, Real Madrid made two comunicando oficial about rejecting, not rejecting players, but just issuing a statement saying we're not in contact with them we have no reason to sign them or at least we're not trying to sign them right now is that odd and i mean correct me if i'm wrong i can't really remember the last transfer window where we've had so many of these come out to say we're actually not trying to get these players rather than official communications coming out saying hey by the way we've signed a really awesome player chris is this something no i haven't seen it it, or does it seem a bit weird to you as well no it's odd definitely odd um I don't know, maybe it says something about PSG's money power, spending power anyways, that they want to keep a good relationship with them if that's what they're doing. Or I've heard it said that those were, we were denying the Mbappe and Neymar rumours to kind of appease Ronaldo and say, look, we're not looking to replace you. But obviously now that he's left and we've denied another rumour, it's obviously something else. No, fair, fair enough. And, like, you know, one of those rumors did come out after Ronaldo even left, I believe. It was one of the Neymar ones, which was, again, quite odd. But we're obviously heading into our third segment. Um, last question for this 2018-19 season. What what does Lopetegui do? What does Real Madrid do? What should Florentino Perez and the board be focused on? Should we be focused on stars, bringing in big-name players, or... Do we focus on this ridiculous abundance of youth? Real Madrid is quite literally the fountain of youth of European football right now. I mean, in every position, almost every position, especially in the midfield, Real Madrid possess a lot of the top, top talent of players, you know, under the age of 25. So, Christopher, your thought, do we usher in the youth or do we just go, you know, open up the checkbook and splash the cash uh, I well I think we should stick with the youth um, I think just, just I think that's the new model for the club to get pri- buy promising young players and develop them for the first team um, I think we've just we've got a load of players that could be classified as youth players but are already kind of stars in their own right I think Ceballos is probably the best example of that I mean he was one of Betty's players of the season when we bought him Um Asensio, Asensio hasn't really gotten a fair run of it yet at the, on first team and kind of he's shown what he can do in dribs and drabs. So I think more of a run now that Ronaldo is gone. Um, yeah, I just think there's so many good players already in the squad that there's no real, there's not really too many areas we need to throw more. 
stepped into. Hassan, I'm going to switch up a question on you. Um, okay. I've seen a lot of activity on Twitter, people saying things like, you know, how does Sensio have the minutes that Kylian Mbappe had at Monaco and at PSG? He could he could arguably be at that level. Um, Twitter and other fans of other teams have kind of, you know, thrown us under the bus saying, we buy all these youth players, but we kind of just let them rot on the bench. Do you think that that holds any validity uh, about the Asensio issue as well as, you know, buying all the youth and letting them just sit there? Uh, in terms of the Asensio issue, as much as I do like Asensio, and I really do like Asensio, Mbappe's a freak, point blank, he's a freak. He's not your normal, talented teenager. He's generational talent. I'm not saying Asensio isn't, but I don't think he's even on the same level, to be honest. Um, you got to consider the age difference as well. Is it three years between the two? I think Asensio is 21, 22 now. Yeah. Um, and Mbappe's not even 20 yet, which is just mind-blowing, to be honest. Uh, in terms of letting youth rot, yeah, I think that's a massive problem. We've signed all these massive talents, you know, like Marcus Llorente, Theo Hernandez. Uh, we brought Hakimi up. We've got Ceballos there now. We've got so many of these sort of young players. Borja Mayoral is always a little bit older, I know. But um, you've got all these players in there and they just didn't seem to get any sort of sniff of the team at all. So it sort of makes you think, like, why did you buy them then? Did you buy them just to make it look like you give it? You know, for so long it looked like Madrid didn't give a toss about youth. And now all of a sudden they've got all these youth players don't use it. But was it just to make a statement? It's kind of, it kind of makes you think, is Paris yeah, trying to change it, his image or is he just actually trying to build a, a strong foundation going forward? And that's exactly what I was about to say, because, you know, for the longest time, at least in, you know, for us younger folk in our early 20s or so, uh, we've known Barcelona to be that team that likes to bring up players from their academy all the way to their first team and then have them play on their first team and be successful. And it seems like now Real Madrid is trying to implement that and kind of get rid of the Galactico policy with bringing in players from the Castilla, sending them on loan, you know, whether it be in Bundesliga or around in Spain. Um, Kind of like wrapping up this this 2018-19 goals for the season, and because we're so focused in on you know the youth conversation right now, Christopher, I'll let you go first. Uh, three, two or three players that you would like to see play a consistent, you know, a fair amount of this next campaign, and maybe one of the youth players that you think uh, Madrid should, you know, kind of maybe send out on loan or maybe even sell. Uh, let's excuse the Hakimi Ashraf because he is already on uh, loan with Dortmund. But thoughts, go for it. Uh, well, because I'm horribly biased, I'm going to say Lucas Vasquez needs to start <laughs> because he's a 50-goal-a-season player. <laughs> he's too talented to be left on the bench. We can't leave him on the bench. He has to play. So Lucas Vasquez will start off with I want to see Ceballos play more. Um I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's more the finished article than we, we give him credit for. I think, you know, if you bring him into the team, he's going to, he's just going to get stuff done. I think he's kind of in the post Ronaldo era after Isco. I think he's one of those players that we could look to because he's just, he just wants, he could, he's just got that attitude that he wants to carry the team over the line. He can score goals. He can get assists. He can do whatever he wants as long as it gets, gets the team the win. I just think he'd be a brilliant player to have. In as for a player on loan, I think Lorente. Um, he didn't get the playing time he deserved last season, and I haven't seen him. I haven't seen Lopetegui use him a lot in the senior setup this season. Really, I didn't see Ceballos using the senior setup, anyways. But I think Casemiro isn't going to budge at the moment. I, I mean, Zidane loved him. I don't think Lopetegui's going not going to like him. I think Lorente probably needs to get out and get some playing time. Just to fire back at you quickly, do you think it it would be feasible to, you know, I kind of honed in on the A team versus B team thing again, but do you think it would be make sense for Lopetegui to kind of do the same thing where you, you know, say take out Modric or Cruz in Copa del Rey fixtures, put in Danny Ceballos, you take out Casemiro, you put in Marcos Llorente, that way you're giving them the minutes? What would you do if you're Lopetegui? I suppose you could kind of you 
could do it in even the league fixtures too, but I just I can see Ceballos breaking into this team one way or another. Um I just I can't see Lorente doing the same. So fine balance at is the moment really here. Yeah, fine and balance is very much the key. I just he's a like I said, Ceballos is more the finished article than we give him credit for, whereas Lorente is still a bit of an unknown. I know he had a brilliant season with Alaves, but it you know, it it's just I feel of all the players that could do with a loan spell, another loan spell it'd probably be Lorente. Fair enough. And uh Hassan, what do you think with all this youth, two or three players that you'd like to youth players you'd like to see get more minutes and maybe one or two that you would send out on loan or maybe even sell? Uh, in terms of who I'd like to see play, I'd like, again, sort of echo the sentiments with Sabaris. I think that guy's a definite difference maker. I think the season where he was at Betis, where he had that really good season, I think he was the, completed the third most dribbles in Spain, only behind Messi and Neymar, which is, you know, stupidly impressive. Um, it, and we saw it last season, sorry, turn games on on their head when he came. I, think there's a, I can't remember who it was against, maybe in Sociedad. Where he came on and scored a brace and basically got a point for the team. And we, I think we were losing that game. Uh, yeah, it was Alaves, Alaves. Sorry, yeah. I remember, I remember coming on and scoring a brace. Couldn't remember who it was for the life of me. Um, so I think he's definitely a player that should. I think he'll either break his way into the team or he should should be trusted with more with more game time. Um, in terms of another player I'd like to see started more, um, I would like to see Lorente start more. I think. Uh, Lopetegui is a bit more sort of balanced with Casemiro than Zidane was I think Zidane just had a bit of an infatuation with Casemiro as much as I do like him there were games where he was just simply diabolical and needed to be hauled off so I think Lorente definitely has a chance of getting more game time at the same rate still got Kovacic lurking around as well so that's a bit of a tricky one in terms of who I'd send out on loan uh, Theo Hernandez I think he needs a loan spell um, you could also always rotate Audrey Ozola across the two flanks. I think he's pretty much able to do that. Uh, maybe Vallejo as well, just so he can get his fitness right. Cause I think he needs to work on that a little bit, to be honest. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's anything else I, I do, to be honest. Well, you, you kind of answered two of my three questions, with one being, if you send out Teo Hernandez, who do you have? And, of course, we have Ariathola. Um The other one was with Jesus Vallejo. You said you would send him out on loan. Uh, Christopher or Hassan, I guess, Hassan, you can go first. Uh, the Mateo Kovacic issue, he kind of hinted during the World Cup that he wants more playing minutes, and if he can get that somewhere else, he'll most certainly do so. And fair play to him. I think that's what any sensible footballer would do, especially uh, given his age. Hassan, do you think Real Madrid should hold a tight grip on Mateo Kovacic, give him the more minutes that he wants? And, you know, apart from them both being Croatian, does Kovacic really come across as that next Luka Modric? I'd definitely say so. I mean, when he's on it, he's on it. He he can he could be so... I mean, the Super Cup game against Barcelona showed it enough. He's, he's super impressive. He's versatile. He can break the lines. He can tackle. He's press resistant. He's, he's got everything you really want. Um, and he's a bit more of a physical presence than Modric is as well. Not to say that Modric isn't a physical presence. He can throw his own in there for a guy of his size. Um, but again, with Lopetegui's system, he likes to, he likes to use midfielders deep. Like Thiago in, in Spain, he used him quite deep. Um Against as a counter press sort of player, so I think he'll rotate with Modric and Cruz quite well. I think he'll get what he wants this season. Christopher, what do you think? Do you think Madrid should keep that tight grip on Kovacic, or if he, if a club like Manchester City, uh, one of the clubs he's been linked to, one of the many clubs he's been linked to, uh, come calling and are willing to spend a fair amount of cash, would you would you let him go, knowing the amount of other talent you have on your bench, or do you two see him as kind of that, you know? next step after Luka Modric no I think we need to hold on to him at all costs (laughs) there's no way you can let him go he's just too good and I agree I think he is the clear successor to Modric Um, I think he I mean if you asked me last a couple of weeks ago when Ronaldo was still here I'd have said that I think he's likely to stay I think that after the World Cup Modric had it I can see him, I'm not trying to jinx him, but I could see him taking a bit of a dip 
because he's just left it all on the pitch the last three years. <laughs> and I think that World Cup was definitely like, when we look back at his career, that's going to be the tournament we think Golden of. Golden ball winner. So, yeah, I think he was just fabulous. And I don't, I can see him just taking a wee bit of a dip. And I, even if he even if he doesn't, he's played so much football at the age that he is, he's going to need much more rest this season than he did last. In which case, you want someone like Kovacic to come on and get some playing time. Um, but like I said, if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, I'd have been pretty certain. But now that Ronaldo has left, kind of any deal seems possible. <laughs> yeah, you know? Anything is possible at this point. Well, just wrapping up segment two then, uh, our focus will probably end up being Champions League, even though we'd all like to see another La Liga being lifted. Uh, 3-11, and 11, I guess, is still better than 2-10. and 10. Um, We all agree that it is possible to win a four Champions League because it is a Champions League, and anything is absolutely possible. Uh, the youth are obviously going to be a huge key for us this season. Hold on to those players. Maybe send out a couple on loan just to improve their fitness, their technical skills, and their game IQ. Let's head into segment three, which is labeled, or rather, we are calling the real deal. Uh, of course, this is just going to be a lot, a lot of transfer talk. The biggest thing... I, I don't know if you guys know what it is, but there's this guy. His name is Cristiano Ronaldo. For some odd, peculiar, uh, very weird reason, he's decided to leave Real Madrid after nine years. We tr- we'll try not to get into why exactly he left. and We'll leave aside all that uh, for another time. But, Hassan, do you think we're prepared for the post-Ronaldo era? We went from CR9 to CR7 to a mix of both. He's banged in at least 40 goals every season since his time at Real Madrid. He's with, undoubtedly, won a several, well, not several, but a fair number of those Champions Leagues, whether it be insane performances and the knockout round, highest goal scorer of the Champions League. I mean, I could literally go on for the next hour, the whole podcast. Impressive, isn't it? Yeah, would be me just listing off all his accolades, but just down to it. Is Real Madrid ready for the post-Ronaldo era if the season started next no, week? I don't we're very so. close anyway to the start. Sorry, go on. don't think so whatsoever. I don't think we're anywhere close to prepare for that. I mean, who's gonna, who, who in that team is going to score you 40 goals a season right now as it stands? I don't think anybody is. Uh, Bale's never fit enough. I don't think Benzema scored over 10 for about two, two maybe three years. Now, the last time he scored double digits was... 15-16, if I'm correct. I think. Yeah, 15-16 yeah, to three years ago. Um, I don't think Essentia's going to come in and bang 40 goals. If he does, then I'll, I don't know what to say, to be honest. Um, as much as I do like Vasquez as well, I know Christopher going to hate this comment, but he's not a 40-goal-a-season player. I don't think Borja is a 40-goal. There's just no 40-goal-a-season players in there. And I don't think there's enough collectively to share amongst them to even cover the void, let alone facilitate that either. Christopher, I think I can probably read your mind from across the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, you're probably agreeing with Hassan. We're probably not as prepared as we'd like to be, at least not as of yet. But how do we fill that void between now and then, assuming, you know, this is our squad, maybe a couple of people leave maybe a couple of small name players go uh we don't purchase a galactico how how does lopetegui sort this out how does florentino Perez sort this out i don't think anyone's really prepared for ronaldo leaving you know i think it's and you know we've i've seen a lot on social media where it's, we have to replace ronaldo and replacing is such a heavy term because you don't really replace that type of productivity mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to be more prepared in certain areas, but at the same time, I kind of I can't help but be optimistic. I think if you're, there's two routes we could go down. We can go out and buy a pure goal scorer, which is proving difficult right now, uh, or we could, fingers crossed, and hope Lopetegui did what he did with Spain and just find goals from midfield. So you know, like. Diego Costa wasn't. Diego Costa had a good World Cup, but he wasn't a great fish in Lopetegui's system. 
and yet they still managed to score 33 goals. I was doing, I was looking at it earlier this week, and Isco got was their joint top scorer, and I think four or five. It was four or five midfield players that got the rest mm-hmm. of the goals. So, and they they scored. He got he. Apart from not being defeated, he also had a goal in every game. You know, and uh, Diego Costa was not prolific, so that's the other option. You know, we hope we we cross our fingers and hope that since he has so many Spanish players in the team, that he can figure out the same system that he did with Spain and get goals from midfield. Uh, so, just sticking on this Ronaldo topic right now. Um... Could could this transfer be seen as a as a glass half full situation, or are we just trying to you know coddle ourselves and make it seem like we're okay, kind of pacify ourselves in a sense? Um, we get a hundred million for Cristiano Ronaldo. He's thirty three years old. You've essentially sold him for what you've bought him for. In a way, is this kind of a good thing? It, it wasn't inevitable. He was bound to retire. You can kind of rebuild the squad in a sense. You can uh, open up the play a little bit more. It's not as Ronaldo-dependent, reliant. The the starting eleven doesn't have to be catered to his playing style. Is it kind of good that he's left, Hassan? Uh, yes and no, I think. I mean, of course we're going to have to let him go eventually, right? I mean, I think... Maybe letting him go for a hundred million is probably better than when he retires at whatever age you would have retired at, and we pocket nothing from it. So, in that sense, it's good we can reimburse the money we got from him, um, and then hopefully move forward with the right sort of system. But again, it's like who it's who do you find to to fill that void again? It's a very especially with that kind because obviously the market's stupidly inflated right now. So to get the money, you're going to need some more on top of that as well. And then, Realistically, who's out there to to fill that void anyway? If you look back on the years where we had, you know, uh, Ronaldo De Nazario, so moving on from him was fairly easy because we had Raul. Then from Raul we had Cristiano Ronaldo, and then from Cristiano Ronaldo we had nothing. So it's yeah, of, there kind of isn't that placeholder already no, there. No, no kinda, Yeah, ju- you know, just waiting for. You know, the predecessor just circled the lap, so to speak, and hand off that baton. Uh, Chris, what what do you think? Do you think now is the perfect time to kind of just blow up the squad? I mean, there's been a lot of links that Gareth Bale might be leaving to Manchester United. As you said before, there's rumors of Carlo Ancelotti wanting to bring Karim Benzema to Napoli. What would you do if you're Florentino Perez? Is now the is now the right time? Do you cash out on the whole of the BBC in one summer? Yeah, there's kind of there's two elements to that question. So with Ronaldo leaving, I never kind of saw him retiring at Madrid. I kind of you know he wants to play for much long a longer. He's talking about playing into his forties, and he you know we can't he won't start at Madrid for that. If he does that, he's not going to start Madrid every season. So it's kind of a question of when to... It was always going to be a question of when do we say goodbye. Um, I would have liked another season or two of Ronaldo. I think he's well capable of ta- you know, leading the line for another season or two. But like, you know, we, he was never going to retire at Madrid for me. I think he was going to leave... He was going to have to leave eventually. And I suppose for 100 million, he can kind of be pleased that you got that money out of the deal. Um, second, I wouldn't blow up the squad in terms of like Bale and that because we're kind of short in goal scores as it is. And even, you know, Benzema doesn't score a lot of goals, but at least he scores some goals. And with Bale, Bale scored like 16 goals and only a handful of appearances, even, even between his injuries. So there's just no... It doesn't seem reasonable to me just to sell them, especially since we don't have a replacement for Ronaldo. What's the point in selling more goals away? Makes sense. Um, just getting into some of the signings we actually have made, as opposed to the ones that we wish we've made so far. Um, Rodrigo, uh, Vinicius Jr. finally coming over. Uh, he'll spend the you know the preseason with us. Uh, the goalkeeper Lunin, and the and then of course Ariazola. Uh, Hasan, 
out of those four, who do you think or who do you have the most affinity for and want to see wearing the white kit coming this season? Of course, it's going to be unrealistic for all four of them to stay. That's highly unlikely. But who would you want to see? Uh, for me, it's a toss-up between Vinicius Junior and Alvaro Zola. Uh, it's hard to choose between the two. So I'm really sort of excited for the unknown entity that Vinicius is. But at the same rate... Um, Zola, obviously we've seen him last season and how good he really is. So I'd say probably top of the list uh, would be Zola and Vinicius after that. Christopher, Arizola, it's silly of me to ask that. He's, of course, going to be, you know, kind of that backup for Danny Carvajal. And, like, I'm not sure which one of you said it earlier, but, you know, he's also capable of playing on the left wing, so he could be that backup for Marcel. Christopher, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were a huge proponent of Arizola last season. And when he played against us, you had nothing but praise for him. And, you know, understandably so, makes sense. What's your favorite thing about his playing style as that right back? And can he be that wing back that Madrid is accustomed to? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's probably his best trait. He's just, he's a brilliant attacker. That's the main, you know, he, he's no different than Marcelo. He's just a fabulous attacking player. He can, he's get up, pay his pace, his, the ability to get the ball into the box, which was something that Akraf extremely lacked. His ability, like he could be a man, but he couldn't get the cross into the box. I think Adio Zola can do that for Madrid. Um, he's not great defensively, but I think that will that will come with time. He's still very young. The other kind of plus side to it is that I think he'll get the best out of Carvajal because you know we haven't we didn't see the best of Carvajal last season. I think that was a lot because he wasn't challenged. Adio Zola will definitely challenge him for that starting spot, and that will bring out the best. Awesome. It seems like you know a little bit more about the Brazilian players, having corrected me about the Rodrigo situation. Of course, it's unlikely that Vinicius will get the first team minutes. He'll probably just spend the preseason with us. But what are your thoughts on one of them, both of them? Do you like the signing? Do you think it's it's feasible for the future? I think it's a gamble. Don't get me wrong. To spend uh, what was it, nearly eighty million combined on the two. Um, I, th- I think Vinicius I don't think we'll send him out alone I think he'll just use him as a rotation player if they don't send him out alone um, but both of them are like mercurially talented from the highlights and stuff I've seen especially Rodrigo he's got some very very good composure in front of goal and Vinicius is almost like a new Neymar um, I was having this debate with a friend a couple of weeks ago actually. I said usually when you see players hyped up from the Brazilian league normally they, they don't fail uh, obviously, you have the odd few examples, you know, like Eurobinos, for example. Um, but on the general consensus, most of the time you see a Brazilian player come up to the ranks and really sort of get hyped up. They do usually live up to the hype. Um, Neymar did. Uh, you obviously got a few in the way of like Arthur going to Barcelona and places like that. So I think both of them are extremely talented. I think Vinicius is actually the, one of the highest goal scorers in the league last season. Uh, so there's definitely potential there. So again, I think if they don't send him on loan, he will be rotated in that team. And kind of sticking with the the idea of players on loan, we have a player of our own that's on loan. We actually have two. The other one is kind of AWOL right now, Fabio Contra. Um, but the James Rodriguez situation, his manager has said that he won't be coming back. Byron says that they don't want to send him back just yet. Uh, they've also, Byron themselves have signed a couple of good midfield players, uh, not maybe as high profile as James Rodriguez, but with this whole Ronaldo gone, the the signings being up in the air, not sure which Galactico or which big name player we're going to sign. Do you think now would be the perfect time to fight for Hamas to come back and get him in this squad? Uh, Chris, I'll let you go first. Um, well, I don't think the agreement will allow us to bring him back this season. But I definitely think next season it is a possibility. And if we can do it, definitely bring him back. Um, I know his father has said that he wants to play for Madrid. And he's said it a number of times that Madrid is his dream club. Um, I kind of, I wasn't, when he left, I wasn't too concerned about where he ended up and that, you know. But I think now that there's a gap for him and just his productivity when he was in La Liga 
for those two seasons. You just need to bring him back. Especially, we'll see. We're probably going to see more if we need, you know, if we struggle for goals this season. It, even more important that we bring him back because he's just a also, hugely would productive you, player. If you're Florentino Perez, I mean, Christopher said he, it's unlikely that he'd come back this summer. I mean, in the contract, it does stipulate, though it is possible if, you know, I guess Real Madrid does whatever they have to do for that to happen. But would you, like, could you see him coming back or would you want him to come back if, you know, given the current situation? Uh, from what I've read, and I'll give the devastating news first, it's actually, I think, contractually impossible to bring him back this season. Um, I think in the agreement they've got, there's actually nothing to bring him back uh, early. So they have to see the two years out. Uh, in terms of would I bring him back, hypothetically speaking, yeah, straight away, I would. wouldn't even think about it. So I was uh, utterly and completely wrong with that. I guess the Twitter folk have lied to me. I apologize. Um, let, let's say we had whatever money we we needed. Let's uh, go to Disneyland for a second here. Uh, Christopher, if you could sign anybody, any team, irregardless of whatever the release clause may be or whatever stipulations lay in their contract, uh, who would you sign? Well, if we're just throwing logic to the wind and saying who would I like to see in Madrid, it's Mbappe, most definitely. Um, last season, I was kind of, I was kind of iffy about him because you know he had he had done well for Monaco, but we had very little kind of uh, before that, um, and also the wages he was asking for and all that. But he, as the season has gone on and as more came out about that deal. And obviously his performances at the World Cup and that. I think he's definitely a player that I'd love to see at Madrid. I think he'd be the perfect, if we're going to use the word replacement, Hassan, replacement uh, for Ronaldo. Like Christopher said, we're throwing logic out the window. Who are you signing? Uh, it, uh, top of my list is still obvious, definitely Mbappe. Uh, bottom of the list is probably Neymar, to be honest. <laughs> Don't uh, anywhere near the club. <laughs> Okay, bringing logic back into the equation. Let's be a little realistic. So the the three big names that we've been linked to are, of course, Chelsea's Eden Hazard and PSG's Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. Christopher, who do you think should be number one on that list right now? Who should really be the quote-unquote big word replacement uh, for Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah, is it? Uh, is it me? Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone. I don't like Neymar. I'm not really. I don't think anyone. I think a lot of Madrid fans kind of turned on, off him after the World Cup. I think he's a hugely talented player, but like the his antics on the pitch, the way he's treated PSG this season, um, and. The fact, and you know, if you look at his two previous moves, just riddled with corruption and under the table payments, and his father getting massive money from it all, he's just—they're not people. I don't. I'd like to see the club dealing with. I just think they're more, they're more trouble than they're worth. You know. Um. Apart from that, I can't. No. I, Hazard would definitely lighten the goal scoring load, but. Is he going to be? He's not a long-term replacement for Ronaldo. Definitely and, not. He's twenty-seven. You know, he he lightened the load. Yeah, yeah he's, he lightened the load, but he's not exactly a long-term transfer. Hassan, what, what do you think? Who do you think should be the number one in that boardroom right now? As much as I'd love it, Mbappe is just not feasibly possible. So, I think Hazard should definitely be the number one choice. I mean. I think he'll get easily get five years out of him, even when he loses his pace. His, his dribbling skills are so ludicrously good that he'd still be able to do. It. I mean, Messi's not the quickest player in the world, but because he's so good with his, with the ball at his feet, it makes him effective. Um, I think also a lot of people need to note that Hazard plays in a road defensive team, so he has to track back a lot. He doesn't get the the license to roam as such. Um, so I think in a team like Madrid, where he's allowed to roam and he's given the license to do what he wants. I think he could easily turn into a 20-plus goals goals a season player and double digits assists. Um, 
And again, I echo the same sentiments as Chris in the sense of I want Neymar nowhere near Madrid. Um, I think his attitude is disgusting. Um, I think he's he's got literally the most dirty team behind him as well. I mean, his dad, I've got no comment for, essentially puts any club he goes to in trouble with all their sort of weird, underhanded schemes. So yeah, uh, I, I don't want Neymar anywhere near this club, to be honest. And now that we've kind of touched on Eden Hazard a fair bit, um, I think it goes without saying that we could make mention of Thibaut Courtois. Now, Real Madrid, of course, are very closely linked to the Belgian keeper. Given the current climate, though, Keylor Navas, yeah, sure, he's had his his hiccups, but which player last season didn't have any? Um, should a goalkeeper really be the focus this season, or should the money be spent elsewhere? more like the final third of the pitch, the one where we actually score the goals. Christopher, what do you think? Um, I think it depends on the price. I don't think Courtois is a massive upgrade on Navas. I think Courtois is a very good goalkeeper if you have the right type of defence in front of him. Hence why he's done so well at Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. And then if you look at the way Belgium set up with that kind of five at the back they were a very defensively orientated team with a fast counter attack and he's a brilliant goalkeeper in that sense but if we're to judge Madrid in the last two seasons he's not going to have that type of coverage so I'd be you know he's not like he's not like De Gea who you buy and he's just going to he's a, a clear success for Iker Casillas who we're still looking for a successor for but if the price is that they've been quoted are right, 30, 35 million. He's brilliant. Like Ariel Zoli, he's brilliant because he'll challenge for the first first team spot and you'll have two brilliant goalkeepers trying to start from Madrid, which is a brilliant situation to Hassan, have. are you on the on the same page as Chris there with uh, the whole goalkeeping situation? Would you, like, do, do you think, again, given the current situation, it's worth purchasing a goalkeeper or should the money be spent elsewhere? Well, I think the fee that this reported for Courtois, which is about forty million pounds, I think you'd be stupid not to take it. That's it's it's silly money for a keeper of that elite stature. He's only twenty five. He's just won the Golden Glove at the World Cup. Um, I think he'd be better in league play than Navas. Said he's a bit more consistent in that regard. I think keep Navas for cup competitions, you know, in the Champions League and the Copa del Rey, uh, and they can rotate perfectly like that. I think it, it'd be a great decision to sign Courtois. Well, I think that kind of concludes our segment three. My last question for for both of you, and Chris, you can go first, is what do you think is the likelihood Real Madrid actually sign a high-key player, like a a high-prolific player, um, at least by the end of this month? What, What do you think the probability of that is? I think Courtois is likely. I think... From what I've read, and that's probably the important bit to take away from this, that this is all transfer rumours right now, so there's nothing really solid yet. But I think Courtois is probably the most likely. He's, he seems to have had a bit of a frayed relationship with the Chelsea board because they won't give him the wages he wants. He has family in Madrid that he wants to go back to and has said in the past that he wants he wants to go back to Madrid because of his family living there. I think, like Hassan said, for 35, 40 million, it's brilliant price for the goalkeeper that he is um, Hazard's and he's in the last year of his contract too which is perfect especially if he doesn't if he's refusing to sign a new one Chelsea don't have much of a choice uh, Hazard's a different story because he has two years left on his contract uh, Chelsea aren't as willing to let him go and yeah Chelsea that's the main deal I think Chelsea will hold tightly to him. Hassan, you get the last word before we wrap this all up. If Real Madrid don't sign somebody in the front to to take over, if we're not able to get anyone, are Real Madrid screwed for the next season? I think so, to a degree, yeah. I mean, you need something to fill that gap that Ronaldo's left, because otherwise you're just going to be stuck in the transition. We've seen with clubs like Manchester United, when big players leave, or you know, big figures in the team leave. It it leaves you in a sense of just complete limbo. I mean, I don't think United have even still recovered from 
Ferguson leaving and their squad essentially aging into what it was a couple of years ago. Um, so I think making a marquee signing should be up on the club's higher uh, sort of higher on the club's list. Sorry. Um, I think the Hazard thing. I think a lot of people obviously assume that he think they're gonna he's gonna cost about two hundred million pounds, but I've seen it's come down to about one fifty now. Which I think for if you consider that Coutinho is going for one forty, Usman Dembele is going for around the same figure. I think one fifty for Eden Hazard is great. Um, the only thing I will say is I hope Perez stays the hell away from Neymar. I need to keep his dicks in his pants about that. <laughs> Well, thank you for that little tidbit there. Uh, boys, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Real Champs podcast. Uh, we'll certainly be getting up to another one very shortly. Uh, to all the listeners, thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, you're the reason why we've created this podcast, and we hope to continue to create this podcast and share our knowledge. Of course, the boys with a lot more than myself, with all of you and our passion for the game. As always, Hala Madrid, and we hope you all enjoy uh, the rest of your day. Thanks.